So for the last while, I've been studying the life of Solomon. And so just in my personal devotion, this is something that I have been doing. And um, it's incredible how you can reread the same passages and have God reveal to you different things to the same person, right? And this is the same thing I believe is happening um, with the story of Solomon in my life currently. And it really just shows us how sovereign our God really is. And so this morning, we will be diving into the most joyful book of the Bible, Ecclesiastes. It's a great one, right? Um, And for our first point this morning, which is going to be so encouraging, everything is meaningless. Do you feel encouraged? (laughs) So we're going to be diving into Ecclesiastes 1, verses 2 to 9, and this is what it states. Everything is so meaningless. The teacher says that it is all a waste of time. Do people really gain anything from all the hard work they do in this life? People live and people die, but the earth continues forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down, and then it hurries to rise again in the same place. The wind blows to the south and the wind blows to the north. The wind blows around and around. Then it runs and blows back to the place it began. All rivers flow again and again to the same place. They all flow to the sea, but the sea never becomes full. Words cannot fully explain things, but people continue speaking. Words come again and again to our ears, but our ears don't become full, and our eyes don't become full of what we see. All things continue the way they have been since the beginning. The same things will be done that have always been done. There is nothing new in this life. Right? So Solomon is talking about how everything is meaningless. How this is what he's feeling in his life right now at that point is that the sun rises and sets and rises again. Right? The ocean, uh, the rivers flow to the sea, but the sea never becomes full. And he's kind of just explaining how he's feeling and how he's going day to day through the motions of life. Right? And he's not content with that. This isn't bringing him joy. He's not, under, he's not understanding why he maybe feels this way. He doesn't understand why everything is just so continuous. But what he does understand is that there is a God and at one point in his life, there was more to life than this. And that at this point, riches aren't enough for him. The things of this life are just not enough. And we can actually be people who get stuck here too. Right, Solomon was, is known as the most wise person in the entire world. And uh, he is still struggling with the understanding of why. Why is there not more to life at this moment than this? And this is the thing. There's actually two points in our lives where this can actually begin to happen. So the first one is before coming to understand and believe in Jesus, we can begin to feel this way. That's when people, maybe yourself, felt like there has to be more to life than waking up, going to work, coming home, making dinner, and going to bed. 
right? That there needed to be more than that. And sometimes people can actually fill this with different things. So that can look like looking for a pay raise or a higher position, looking for a spouse, um, maybe having kids, looking for a better home because the one we have isn't good enough, trying to move up in what our understanding of the world is. And people can get by like this. They can actually think that that's what we're supposed to do, right? Others maybe switch careers because the one they had isn't bringing them joy anymore. But it's having this inner desire and understanding that there is more to life and people can fill this gap in different ways. Now, the second way that we can come to this understanding is actually when we're struggling in our walk with Christ, right? When we know who our God is, we know who our Savior is, but we're not walking in line with what he wants for us. So that doesn't look maybe like we're messing up or we're way out there. It can just mean that we're missing the mark of where God wants us to be. And then we can become stuck in the mindlessness of routine. So the understanding of knowing there needs to be more is actually a revelation of God. It's a general revelation of God. And that is our innermost being needed to feel connected to something more than just us. That there needs to be more in this life that we are meant to be in relationship with Jesus. And he's revealing to us that when we feel those emotions. That we actually have a calling on our lives and that we can walk confidently in that. And that's our desires, right? We have this want, this desire for more of just routine. Now, some people get stuck there and that's okay, but we need to kind of move them forward sometimes, right? Most of us in this room have probably come to one of those points in our lives and that we have found the answer to the why am I here, right? So some of us in this room have probably answered that. That's why we're here. We believe in Jesus. We want to learn and we want to grow. And some of you may be just seeking and understanding that there has to be more, but I'm not sure what that is yet. So once you get to this point of having the answer of why am I here, the next step is really building a relationship with God, right? It kind of flows from that. You understand and know who Christ is, and now you're diving into what does that look like for us, and you begin to build a relationship with God. So that can look like prayer, that can be reading your Bible, that can be finding a church, finding a Sunday morning sermon that can help you grow, help you understand what everything means when you're reading the Bible, right? Because when you begin to understand Christ, we can know that the Bible can be maybe a little overwhelming sometimes when you haven't been maybe brought up in that kind of life. And maybe you're looking for a small group, discipleship, right? Teachings in any way, Bible study. And that's kind of our next pathway that we take after building our relationship with God. And as you begin to grow, you actually have this innate sense of having to be the need to be more Christ-like, right? That should flow out of understanding who Christ is, 
knowing and believing in who he is and saying, I need to be more like Jesus, right? We aim for him, even though we know we're not perfect, we're aiming for that perfection in our lives, but still understanding that we may mess up, but that God is welcoming us with open arms anyways, right? So that is who we are. And this is continuous. The growing in knowledge and understanding and in wisdom is continuous. So 1 John 2 verses 3 to 6 says this, if we obey what God has told us to do, then we are sure that we know him. If we say we know God, but do not obey his commands, we are lying. The truth is not in us, but when we obey God's teaching, his love is truly working in us. This is how we know that we are living in him. If we say we live in God, we must live the way Jesus did. So that last part of if we say we live in God, we must live the way Jesus did. And I think that we can all agree that through the word, that we can see the people that Jesus interacted with, that we can see his love and need to speak about his father to everyone that he met, the need and desire to bring people into his kingdom, everyone, not certain people, not the people who are seen as the best, or maybe they could do this for a church, right? But everyone, the outliers of society, Jesus spoke to. Now, the thing about Jesus is that he actually just loved people. And that can be hard. I think that's the most difficult thing we can do as people is actually love people continuously without them ever feeling like we're judging them, right? I think we can have our moments of maybe judging others. I think that that can happen. I think that it can happen within church, life, families, that we can judge others for who they are, their character, maybe how weird they are, right? I get that a lot. You're so weird. But the thing is this, as we learn and grow in Christ, we understand that we are, have a calling. And that calling is actually to pave the way for Jesus. Right? That is our calling, to pave the way for Jesus. Matthew 3.3 3 says this, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John the Baptist when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John was sent before Jesus to pave the way. And I think that's a great representation of us today, is that we have come, we are here before the second coming of Jesus to pave the way. When I was in Bible college, um, I was not confident in my calling to ministry. I struggled with the thought of why would God use me or want me to be doing ministry? Is he sure about this? Right? I was not brought up in a Christian home. I did not have much understanding of biblical truth. I became a Christian at 17 and went to Bible college. And so there was not much growth to be done. 
And I was praying one day. I remember being in a chapel service and I began to pray being like, God, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know, are you really calling me or am I just following the path that I thought was right? Right, not being confident in if God was truly leading my decisions. And so as I began to pray and just cry out to God, he said, you know what? I need you to begin to pray for dreams. Begin to pray for dreams that I will give you and speak to you. And so I did. I was like, okay, sure. Maybe if it answers my question of why am I called to ministry, then of course I'm going to do it. And I began to pray and I began to just ask God to give me dreams. And for uh, weeks, I prayed and prayed daily for this. And one night, and I remember it so vividly, it's a dream that I will never forget. There was um, a person dressed in white. I couldn't see the face. And the voice just said, you are to be like John the Baptist. That was it. You're to be like John the Baptist. And so, like a good Bible college student, when I woke up, opened my Bible, and I began to read about John. And there's two things that I learned. One, he was definitely called by God. Two, he was incredibly eccentric. And I think those are things that we can agree on. And so, my thinking was like, I know I'm a little quirky. Um, maybe God just wants me to be really confident in how weird I am and just go with it. And that, that was the thinking. And I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to live in who I am and things should be okay. Now, for those of you who are maybe like in youth or kids, you may think a little differently. And you may think, yeah, you're weird, but it's all good, Jess. But I, I kind of just embraced it, thinking that that might be what God was saying. But recently, through the studying of John, God was just speaking to me. And it was more of like, as I was reading, I was just reading about how John paved the way. And then God just began to speak to me that that's what we're meant to do. It's not about being eccentric and, and following and who I'm supposed to be and just embracing my weirdness. But it was about I'm supposed to be paving the way for Jesus. And then God corrected me. And he said, we're supposed to be paving the way for Jesus. It's not just a you, but it's an everyone. That that is our calling. Now, paving the way for Jesus is a difficult task. And it can look different in all of our lives. But it is what we're meant to do. Matthew 23, verses 34 to 40 says this. Then the king will say to the godly people on his right, Come, my father has great blessings for you. The kingdom he promised is now yours. It has been prepared for you since the world was made. It is yours because when I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you welcomed me into your arms and into your home. When I was without clothes, you gave me something to wear. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the godly people will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? 
When did we see you with no place to stay and welcome you into our home? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? Then the king will answer, the truth is, anything you did for any of my people here, you also did for me. That is paving the way for Jesus. That is loving people with so much grace and mercy that they understand God's love through who we are. That they understand that through us demonstrating who Christ is, that they can spend eternity with Jesus. That they can feel loved. And at youth, I was talking to the students about how when we accept God's love into our lives, it transforms us. And we can actually transform other people's lives by demonstrating that love to them. We don't know who we come in contact with within our community. We don't know who we actually speak life into when they're needing it. That a simple gesture of feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who need something to wear, are actually incredible things that demonstrates God's loves for people and is paving the way for Christ's second coming. Now, the next way that we can actually pave the way for Jesus is in Ephesians 6.12. Our fight is not against people on earth. We are fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. We are fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly places. Our war is not against people. But there is a spiritual war going around us that we need to be aware of. We need to be aware that there is good and there is evil and that there are authorities and rulers that are here that are trying to take control. That there is a fight going on for our souls daily. And not just ours, but the people within our community. And that we need to be interceding on behalf of the body of Christ, our leadership, our pastors, the people that we're trying to reach, Essex, our county, our nation, our world, right? That we need to be paving the way for Jesus through interceding on behalf of people and asking the Holy, Sp Holy Spirit's guidance in the world now so that when Jesus' second coming comes, people are ready. So maybe, maybe you can't go out and do something physically, that's okay because you can intercede. You can intercede in prayer. But I wanna tell you this thing, you are not done yet. If you feel like you are done, you are not done. There is more to your life than going through the motions. There is more to your life than waking up in the morning and going to bed at night that there is a calling upon your life to speak truth and speak life within our community, within our church, right? You can actually make a difference believing in the power of prayer. You can make a difference understanding that the love that you have is not meant for just you, but it's actually meant for everyone. That transforming love that brought you into the arms of Jesus can bring others to him as well. If there's breath in your lungs, you have a calling. So we're called to pave the way for Jesus through prayer, 
by demonstrating God's love and being his hands and feet. That's who we're called to be. And we can sometimes think that I'm, I'm not, I don't have those giftings, right? I know that my gifting is evangelism. That just is part of who I am. But I'm not hospitable. It doesn't mean that I can't work on my hospitality, just like people can't work on their evangelism, right? We are called, whether we like it or not, to be speaking God's truth to people. And so I actually want to show you guys something on the screen, and it really helps understand this a bit better. I'll explain this because it looks maybe a little weird. Through our culture, through our, our teachings, um, a lot of it has become very Greek, is what I'm going to say. And so, what youth, if, you, if there's any youth in the room, you guys know this because I taught it at youth. So the first yellow dot here, that is your birth. Okay, this is how we kind of view life. This is your birth. And then the last yellow dot, that's your death. And we, we think that this is our life. And then once you die, the blue arrow goes to heaven, red arrow goes to hell. And that's what we think life is, right? There's life on earth and that's it. There's life on earth and then you go to heaven or you go to hell. And we don't necessarily think beyond. We don't think of, well, what does that mean eternity? Sometimes we do and kind of scares us into heaven, right? I don't know, my, sometimes my youth pastor would kind of do that. She'd be like, are you going to heaven or hell right now? And she'd say something like that to kind of scare me into the right direction. Um, but this isn't necessarily correct. Why, why, why am I saying not correct? Yes, this is true, but it's not the Jewish understanding of the meaning of our lives. Okay, and so let's switch to the next slide. So the little white part on this side, right side of the yellow dot, um, that is before your birth. That you were created, you were thought of before you were born. That there is that there was an idea of who you would be, a creation of you, that Jesus planned you, right? He created you, knit you in your mother's womb. There was a plan before you were born that you would be here. Now, the first yellow dot, that's your birth. And so you're born, now you're on earth, and that red line is your life. And then the next yellow dot is your death but it doesn't end there. That there is still this whole line that continues, right, the arrow into eternity. So your life now is about this big, your time on earth, compared to your eternity of where you get to live forever. No matter what, you have eternity. Just so you understand that. No matter what, you have eternity. You just have to choose where that eternity is. But this is the thing, as believers in Christ, that red line is the only chance that we get to pave the way to Jesus. So that other people's lives spend eternity with Christ. Right, so there's only this little amount of time that we actually get to spread the good news. And that affects our community, everyone that we walk by, our family, maybe that don't know who Jesus is, the 
people in our world who maybe don't have an opportunity to learn about Jesus yet, that red part is all we get. So how are we going to spend that time? How are we going to spend our little bit of time on earth paving the way to Jesus? How are we going to do that? How do we choose to do that? Now here's what we know about King Solomon. Through the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon knew God. Right? He had an understanding of who Christ or who God was. He knew and believed in God. Now, he did other things that weren't really great. He kind of pulled away from his relationship with God. He gave idols to other gods for his wives. But he understood that there needed to be more than going through the motions because he had at one point led his life differently. And we can find ourselves in this. Right, so instead of continued growth and spreading of God and, and spreading of who God was in his life, he went back to everything is meaningless. If you are growing in your relationship with God, but you are not paving the way, then you are stuck in this building of yourself and knowledge without any outlet to share that with. And you know what happens? We go back to everything is meaningless. And when we have that growth and we're not going out, that's what can happen in our lives. When we're stuck in the motions of everyday life, it's because there's something missing. We can't have the part of growth in Jesus without the sharing of the good news. They go hand in hand. We can't have growth in Jesus and not understand that we actually need to be living Christ-like. So church, know and believe that you are called, that your time is not yet done, and that we have a community at our doorstep that is seeking. Now we're often told through the media that no one wants to hear about Jesus, but the truth is everyone's looking. Many people are actually stuck thinking there needs to be more to life than this. Here we are, send us. Showing them how transformative God's love can be in our lives and spreading that to others around us. There is so much power, like Pastor Adam was saying, with the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us today. And so that is a glimpse, a glimpse of eternity. How are we going to use it? How are we going to make a difference with our lives?